Well, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. We're so glad that you've come together as the body of Christ. I want to welcome you those online joining us. I think there's like 35 people logged in online and some traveling. I saw that uh, back. It's amazing technology. You can drive in a car and be in a church service with the body of Christ. Is that not awesome and amazing? I, th I think it's pretty sweet, the, the times that we live in. And so I'm glad that each one of you are here. We've been going through a four-week series called Finding Your Fit. If you have not had a chance to hear all those messages, you're more than welcome to go back on our YouTube page, Paradise Valley Christian Church, or you can go to our website, pvcc.info, click on the sermons tab, and find past sermons as well. And so this morning, we're in finding your fit in the world. And so far, we've gone through this idea of finding your fit in Christ, that if you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have not gone all in, if you have not clothed yourself with Jesus through the watery graves of baptism, repenting of your sins, asking for forgiveness, then you need to find your fit in Christ first and foremost. None of the other stuff that we find in Scripture is going to really mean anything for you unless you really are willing to commit to Jesus. And then all the other stuff comes into focus. You realize what those other things are there for and how they can help you and you continue to be discipled and you continue to grow. And so finding your fit in Christ is essential to your Christian walk, obviously. And part of your Christian walk involves being part of the church, finding your fit within the body of Christ, and realizing you're that last piece that fell on the floor when you're putting that puzzle together at Thanksgiving, and then you're that last important piece because, man, that puzzle just does not come to completion without that last piece. And each one of you are the last piece, that vital role of the body of Christ. And so we need to find our fit in the church, and this morning the message is entitled, Finding Your Fit in the World, and you're kind of thinking, whoa, what does that mean? And for me, what it means, I think a lot of times, is that we try to jam pieces of the puzzle together, don't we? When we're putting a puzzle together, at least I know for my kids, I'm putting a puzzle together, I'm thinking, this doesn't quite look right over here. Who's been working on this section? And, you know, my nine-year-old, my eight-year-old, that's me, you know, and I look over and they're jammed pieces of puzzle pieces together that don't really go together. Some of you are guilty of that as well. I can see in your faces, all right? But we try to jam pieces together that don't really fit. And when it comes to finding your fit in the world, all too often, you're trying to jam your piece, your life, and trying to make it fit in this world. It also reminds me of little babies where the, the shape puzzle toy, where they take the star or the square or, or the circle, and they're trying to jam those pieces. Here's a little video of that very thing here this morning. Trying to get that star in. Now watch this. I think this is a lot of times what we do when it comes to trying to fit into the world. We just take the lid off, don't we? We just, we just take the lid off. We're going to make ourselves fit in this world. And we're going to get this star eventually in the middle of this thing. Yep, there it is. All right. We're just going to throw it in. And I think all too often, as Christians, that's what we do. We try to fit in the world. We're trying to get in that spot, and we can't figure it out. And we're like, oh, we're just going to make it happen. It's all about what I want and what, I, what makes me feel good and what makes me comfortable. And so we're going to see what, what 
takes place in my life, it's all going to be about me. And the reality is it's not about us. It's about what God wants for you in your life. And so to find our fit in the world, what does that really mean? Will you pray with me this morning as we begin? Father, I pray that as we spend time in your word this morning that you would reveal to us exactly the things that we need to continue to work on in our lives. Things that would bring, that would be pleasing to you as we surrender those over to you. And so, Father, this morning as we try to, to find our fit Even in this world, may we realize what that really means. And so, Father, may we go to your word to find out what that means. And so as we spend time today together, may your Holy Spirit be alive and active. May it be convicting hearts, and may your word also be alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. May it continue to separate in our lives the things that you want us to have in our lives and the things that you don't. So God, we're grateful again for the privilege it is to come together in your house. May you be glorified, and it's the name of Jesus I pray, amen. And so you've heard me say it probably a hundred times in the short time I've done ministry here, that this world is not our home. And that would be the first thing that I would encourage you to write down this morning. When we try to find our fit in this world, we got to remember that this world is not our home. If you don't get anything else out of this message this morning, get this. We, and I wrote this all in caps in my note. We aren't supposed to fit into this world. That's the reality of who we are as Christians, is we're not supposed to fit into this world. In fact, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, if you want to turn over in your own Bibles, digital or paper or whatever you might have available to you this morning, Philippians, New Testament, chapter 3, verse 20, I'm going to be reading from the, the ESV here in a couple of these verses, and you can follow along in whatever version that you have. Philippians 3, 20, ESV says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Get this, and it goes on to say, and from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. That means, well, it's going to say in another passage that we've already looked at as we've gone through 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. I'm going to read it in several different translations and one paraphrase. From the ESV, it says, 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12, Beloved. I urge you to urge you as sojourners, not a word we oftentimes use, but someone passing through, and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now hear this from the message paraphrase. And, and again, these messages were uh, originally geared towards junior high and high school students, which were right on some of those levels this morning, at least I am. And so from the message paraphrase, this is a paraphrase, uh, not a, a, a translation. Paraphrase, it says this, but man, it sure paints a, paints a good picture this morning. It says, friends... This world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side 
and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Not your home. Don't cozy up. Kind of reminds me of the Cars movie, Cozy at the Cone, you know. that. Don't be cozy at the cone when it comes to this world. The NASB, New American Standard Bible, says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers... They may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So it's this idea of being a stranger or an alien. We have a hope beyond this life and that this world is not our home, that we're just a passing through. And as I thought about this, I mentioned this before a couple years ago when we first moved here. We spent four months or so at Larry and Udonna Berlin's house. That's my in-law's autumn's parents and so we're there and man things are i i've been enjoying myself you know i'm there in their home and so i get to experience free tv cable right and i get to experience free internet and and i get to experience free heat we didn't have air conditioning so i didn't get to experience that but uh, i had no rent you know i'm i'm hanging out with larry all the time uh, wouldn't that that's most of us right here, yeah, that's a, that's a huge benefit right there. And in the back of my mind, yet I, I, I just had this feeling that this, this is not my home. This is their home. And I'm experiencing some really neat things here in their home, but this is not really where I'm going to spend forever. And as I thought about that, it's, it's, in a lot of ways, it's because, you know, we're there and it's just not how it's supposed to be. Because there's boxes of our stuff all over the place. And you're looking through and you can't find things. And you got stuff out in the shed and you're trying to find this and that. And uh, the, the beds, we got some bunk beds and they're hanging out in the living space downstairs, not in a bedroom. It's, that's not quite how it's supposed to be. And, and my, you know, king-size bed did not fit in one of the rooms. And so one room had a full-size bed and that's where Autumn and usually Brooke slept. And then I had to sleep in another room in a single bed all by myself. And I was like, this is not my home, right? This is not how it's supposed to be and that's the reality of this life is that this world is not our home this is not where we're supposed to put down roots this is not where we're supposed to look forward to spending the rest of forever we should look different than the world looks we should dress differently we should act differently we should talk differently again we're not to cozy up to the things of this world and it says we're to abstain from sinful desires because they wage war against your soul. They wage war against your souls. And, and I thought about this idea of abstaining from sin and how easy it's, it is to get involved in sin when we're not consciously abstaining from sin. It, it's when our kids were there staying at uh, Larry and Udonna's, they live on a dirt road, the driveway's dirt, and of course when it rains it gets what? Muddy. And it kind of had dried out, but there's little mud puddles. And so pretty soon my kids are outside and they're throwing little pebbles in the mud puddles, right? And that's, oh yeah, it's no problem. Just little bloop, you know, and the water, you know, 
goes out, and it's fun to see the water have ripples and all that. Well, pretty soon I look out the window, and sure enough, there's my kids. No longer are we throwing pebbles in the water. We're throwing big rocks, whatever we can find. And, of course, we got to be right up close so we can see what's going on. And so, of course, what happens is they chuck the big stone in the, in the water mud puddle. And, of course, what happens, you know, all over their clothes, you know. And, well, oh, I got all my clothes. And, and so and then pretty soon they're just like, kicking and you know they're putting their feet in and pretty soon they're muddy and it reminded me of when I was five years old and out at my grandpa's house there's of course dirt and they were doing something with cutting a new uh, line sewer line or something but there's water and mud and all over the place and once again my brother and I was two years older than I am we're out there and uh, I don't know how exactly it started but I do know how it finished and my guess is it started with just a little bit of mud you know just kind of just throwing a little bit of mud at each other or just rubbing a little bit of mud on you. Oh, that feels nice, you know, in your hands. You, you make little mud patties, you know, cakes. And pretty soon, I kid you not, we are covered in mud. In fact, I have some proof of it up here on the screens. My mom, she took our clothes off before we got all the completely muddy. So I'm just in my skivvies there. That's why that part's blacked out there. But hit, my brother and I were there, and we're completely covered in mud and I think all too often is that not how it works with our Christian walk we start with just a little bit of dirt we're just making a little bit of dirt mud cakes we're having a good time with the world and pretty soon we're completely covered with the filth of this world we're completely covered with the filth of this world and there's a reason that Peter challenges the church Christians to abstain which means to choose not to do or have something, to choose not to do or have something, to refrain deliberately and often with an effort of self-denial from an action or practice, to abstain, to, to mentally choose, I'm not going to be a part of that, I don't want anything to do with that, and if we don't, we end up being involved in the exact same things the world is involved in, and it says it wages war against your soul and we end up filthy in sin and it's kind of like the passage in hebrews 12 where it says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us but this this line in here sin that so easily entangles it's just another word picture of being filthy, dirty, or, or being caught up. And I don't know if you've ever had like a, a, a hose or something that you're trying to get unraveled, and pretty soon it's just so much more tangled than it began with, and you're entangled in sin when we start with just a little bit. And we're to abstain from that. And when you abstain from sinful desires, guess what? You're going to stick out like a thor sore thumb. Um, you know, when it comes to... You know, I'm, my kids are getting older, prom dresses and things like that. When you try to be someone that is godly and is someone that is going to be, you know, modest and follow scripture, then you might stick out like a sore thumb. You might look a little bit different. You might have to not wear everything the same the people around you are wearing. In fact, when you do those things, when you stand up for your faith, when you abstain from sinful desires, you're going to be looked at so weird to the point where the Bible says that the world is going to hate you. And that's the second thing I would encourage you to write down. 
The world will hate you. This world is not our home. In fact, because it's not our home, the world is going to hate you. John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. John 15, 18 and 19 says, If the world hates you, this is Jesus speaking, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And he goes on a couple chapters later in John chapter 17, verses 13 through 19. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. The world is going to hate you. And if you notice here, Jesus isn't praying that we're taken out of the world and protected, but that we remain here and that we're protected. And and as you think about this idea of of the world hating you, it's kind of like a home you know, a uh, sporting event, whether it be a football game or a basketball game. And, and, and you think about, you know, as you're in the crowd and you're cheering for your team and your team, you know, you're waiting for your team to come out onto the field, a football field maybe. And as you wait, the opposing team, they come out onto the field. And, of course, across the way is the opposing team, you know, the visitor stands. And you kind of hear a little bit of cheering. But from the round you, you hear, you know, there's a lot of booing that goes on. You're like, oh, you guys are terrible. There's no way you guys have a chance. You know, and you just, you're, you kind of almost have this hatred towards this other team of people that you have no clue even who they are. And that's the way the world reacts to us. Because we're not on their same team. We're to be on the opposing team. And so it says the world is going to hate us. They don't want to see us succeed just as we don't want to see the opposing team succeed at a home football game. And if you feel like you're getting along pretty well with the world, ding, 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 red flag, red flag, okay? Because the reality is is that you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to get along really well with the world. In fact, the world, according to Scripture, if we're really living out our faith, says it's going to hate us. And so we need to reevaluate our relationship with God because that's not what the Bible says is going to happen. We really have to stop trying to find our fit in this world because we are either for God or we're against God. And I'd encourage you to write that down. We're, I'm either for God or I'm against God. And again, a, another paraphrase section of Scripture that I just really thought really painted a great picture of what's going on when it comes to our relationship with God and our relationship with the world. It's in James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. And again, I would encourage you to follow along in your own scriptures. If you don't bring a Bible on Sunday morning, I would encourage you to, just like if you're going to a football camp, you wear football pads and helmet. If you go to a band camp, you take your instrument with you. If you go to church, 
Bring your Bibles. It's helpful, okay? So even if it's on your phone, pull that out. It, it helps you remember what's going on. And so James chapter 4, 4 through 10, this is a message paraphrase, but man, it really speaks to me. It says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his ways. Man, ouch. You're cheating on God because you're flirting with the world. And as you flirt with the world, you become enemies of God and his way. And says, and do you suppose God doesn't care? Like, he, oh, no big deal. Charles, just keep going on. I, you know, No. It says the proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. Anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. In verse 10, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field, seeing what else is out there. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. I don't know. That just gives me goosebumps thinking about how when I'm really willing to come before God and surrender everything about who I am, my thought life, my actions, my, how I'm treating my wife, my kids, that's really when I'm really living my full life. No longer am I playing the field, seeing what else is out there. We either have to choose God or by default we choose Satan. We can't have God and the things of the world too, and it just doesn't work that way. Jesus says in Revelation 3.16 that he wants you to be either hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, he's going to vomit you out of his mouth. And I don't know if you've experienced this as parents or even your own life, where you go and you drink some red fruity drink, and it makes your stomach sick, and then what comes out is really disgusting, isn't it? And that's what Jesus is saying to us, that either you're hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, you're trying to ride the fence, you're kind of a little bit here, a little bit there, it's going to be like being vomited out of his mouth. If we're going to choose God, then we have to resist the devil and draw near to God. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, there's some really challenging words. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, man. Doesn't that seem a little extreme to you? I mean, come on, Jesus. It's, I, can I love some of the things of this life when they're not that bad? You know, I mean, there, there's things in this life that we get to experience, things that we get to purchase, items that we get to have. Those things aren't that bad. 
They're, they're not, uh, you know, an evil thing per se. And yet this says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I'm not saying we can't have things. I'm not saying we can't own a home. I'm not saying we can't wear clothes. I'm not saying any of those type of things. What I'm saying is that when we love the things of this world more than we love God, then it says that the love for God is really not there. You're just pretending. You're you're kind of trying to ride the fence. You're not really hot or cold, but you're lukewarm, and you're going to be vomited out of his mouth. And so we have to either choose God, we're either for God, or we're against God. And the fourth thing I would challenge you with as we think about this idea of finding your fit in the world is we are to be in the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. You see, When it comes to finding your fit in the world, God says we are to be in it, but not of it. And you have a responsibility to be light into the darkness. You are called to think differently. You're called to act differently. You're called to talk differently. You're called to live differently. And it's not necessarily about your outward appearance, even though that might play a role at times. But it really has to do with the condition of your heart. And all too often... We have the tendency, when we look at the world around us, we think, man, we have to, you know, come out of it among us themist, and we have to be separatistist in order to thatist. We might beist, overhearist, where we know that Jesus spokest in King Jameis, and we surround ourselves just with other believers in order that we can create this fortress, this fortress around ourselves to, to remove ourselves from the evil of this world because we don't want anything to do with the things of this world and so we have this this fortress that we build up around ourselves and we have this mentality that as we're over here just all by ourselves we just we grab our close christian friends we're like all right let's just let's huddle up huddle up we're let's just we're gonna wait this out right we don't we don't we don't want anything to do with the world we're gonna wait this out and i'm I'm just praying jesus please come back please come back come on god i'm I'm doing my very best all all my christianity and my relationship with god is about i just don't want to sin I just don't want to sing, God. I'm just trying to be holy. I'm just trying to be right with you. Please hurry up and come back because there's something really tempting over here that I want to be a part of, but I want to be holy to you and so set apart. And so uh, that's what I am. I'm a fortress. God, keep me safe. And yet, is that what God calls us to? And we've created this little artificial social club that oftentimes we call the church. And, and that's the extent of our Christian life. Just just trying to make it. Just trying to wait till Jesus comes again. And and we've missed out a lot of times as the church the opportunities that God is giving us to be the agents of change and transformation in this world. You see, we've been created as the body of Christ to thrive and to help change and transform 
And yet we've built this defense fortress. And the only problem again with this is that we, we came out among us of them as to be separatists. And yet we've brought ourselves with us, right? And what happens when we bring ourselves with us? We bring our issues, don't we? We bring our anger. And we bring our lust. And we bring our gossip. And we bring our gluttony. And we bring our slander. And we brought all these things with us into the church. And so instead of being over here, being in the world but not of it, we've come over here and we are of the world, but we're not in it. We've kind of messed things up a little bit. And that's not what God has called us to it's very hard to change a world that you're not in. And it's also very hard to change a world that you are the same substance as. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 16, Jesus says that we are both salt and light, which are agents of change. Agents of change. And those two things are transformational agents. But if we are the same substance of the world, we can't change it. If, if we're not engaged in the world, we can't change it. The only place for the salt is, is not necessarily in a salt shaker. It's on the stake, amen? That's where the salt goes. In fact, we were just at a restaurant uh, the other day with some friends, uh, myself and a couple other gentlemen, and we were eating some food. And normally, I'm not really a add salt to the, the food because I'm less like, I'm not a cook. I'm just, they're the cook. I, I'm just the eater, right? And so, uh, but man, this stuff was bland. And so we added some salt, and Tommy added a little extra salt. But uh, we, we added some salt, and, and that's what Christianity is all about. It's about all of us containing the salt of, of God's word, and we go out into our homes, and we go out into our schools and our workplaces and our universities and our shopping centers, and we be the salt in this world for Jesus. And we need to stop just doing church, and we need to start being the church. Amen? We can't just remain in our little holy huddles, and then that's it. If we're going to have an influence for Jesus, then we must be in the world, but not of the world. And we need to stop trying to jam the pieces of our lives into the pieces of this world, because the truth is, this world is not our home, and because this world is not our home, and if we live boldly for Jesus to the point where we look so much different than the world, then it says the world is going to hate us. We can't straddle the fence if we're going to really make a difference in this world for Jesus, it's either for God or against God. And so my challenge for us as we close our time together is let's be in the world, but not of the world. And if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you didn't need to make Jesus the Lord of your life through repentance, confession, and baptism this morning, we'd invite you to come forward as we sing. So will you stand with me as we sing our song of invitation? If you have a decision to make this morning, we'd invite you to come as we sing our song together.